You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians radio network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend as we join you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And if you are tuned to our show as it airs on a Saturday late afternoon, early evening on the Indians Radio Network, you know that winter has returned in force to northeast Ohio on what has been a very mild winter. So hopefully some baseball talk on the radio for the next hour or so warms you up a little bit. We will talk Hall of Fame, the voting to be announced on Tuesday of next week. Those who make the Hall of Fame this year's edition of the Class of 2020 in Cooperstown, New York. And we'll visit with Paul Hoynes, the longtime Indians beat reporter for the Cleveland Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com. He has a vote, and he'll fill us in on who he thinks should be in the Hall of Fame and why in just a few moments. We will also hear from Corey Provis, the Minnesota Twins radio voice who has done such a great job over the years with uh, Twins broadcasts and he'll fill us in on this year's edition of the Minnesota Twins as we continue our look around the American League Central Division and the Indians opponents. That and much more to come as we get rolling with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians radio network. Tell you what, you either get a better forecast or you're fired. (laughs) This is unbelievable. Welcome back to Tribe Talk and always happy to be joined by Longtime Cleveland Plain Dealer, Indians beat reporter, and uh, Cleveland.com, and all those other avenues where where you pick up your news these days. But Paul Hoynes is joining us to talk on a, a couple of subjects here this week. The Hall of Fame voting will be revealed next week, so we're we're getting right down to it. And Hoynes is a longtime Hall of Fame voter. And uh, Paul, thanks so much for coming by. And I know this uh, you have your homework is done. You've put <laughs> you've put your test to bed and and uh, sent it into the the Hall of Fame, and uh, you feel pretty good about about your ballot this year after all things are said and done? Yeah, Rosie, I do. Uh, it was, uh, you know, it was the last couple of years, the last three or four years, uh, the BBWA is, I think they, you know, elected like, I want to say, you know, upwards to 12 to 14 players. I mean, you know, they've been great ballots, and uh, uh, this one seemed to be a little thin to me, uh, but but it was still, you know, still an interesting ballot. Still, uh, you know, you know the, the the main guy, I guess, Derek Jeter, you know, is uh, the Yankees shortstop, and uh, I would think he'll be a unanimous pick, just like his teammate from last year, uh, Mariano Rivera. And uh, the first two guys that'll, you know, Rivera obviously was the first guy to go in with, uh, you know, unanimous choice. And uh, 
I'm pretty sure Jeter will get to get in there as well that way. You think so? I'd, I, w- I would have thought that because it always seemed like there were some detractors of him saying that that maybe because he played shortstop for the Yankees for all those years that that he got more notoriety than maybe he should have. But you you think he'll get in unanimous, huh? Yeah, I do. I I do. I think I think he'll be a unanimous pick. I, you know, I mean, I know he was, you know. He, he couldn't have been much more fortunate to get drafted by the Yankees and bang, you're in there and you win, you know, you win, you, you know, you win what five, six, seven world series right away. And, uh, but I, he was, he was really a good player for a long time and it's hard to find fault with him. You know, when I think he just did so many things, right. Um, I, I just, uh, and he, you know, he played in New York. There was never a hint of scandal with him you know, on and off the field. I mean, he was almost a perfect ball player to me. Pretty bit drop off in terms of, of a voting percentage, I think, after that. But, uh, boy, it sure seems like Larry Walker's gaining uh, some good momentum here to get in this season. I know you had him on your ballot, too. Yeah, Larry Walker's his last year. Uh, you know, I, early in the year, <clears throat> early, you know, in his, you know, when he was eligible, I didn't really vote for him. You know, I may have voted for him a couple times, but I didn't vote for him regularly. But, you know, you look at the ballot, this ballot or the last couple ballots, and I thought he really deserved it. Uh, this is his last year of eligibility. I always kind of uh, held uh, him playing in uh, Colorado against him. But, uh, you know, just reading stuff and, and talking to other writers, uh, he, you know, he played well on the road. As, you know, he played away from Coors Field as well as at Coors Field. So, uh, yeah, I, he got my vote, definitely. All right, the one that Indians fans uh, certainly have been watching since he came on the ballot is Omar Vizquel, and and uh, he made some good progress last year. I, I know you've you've had him on your ballot each time. I, I, it goes back and forth, it seems, for a lot of folks to to try and get him in there. Certainly not here in Cleveland, fans who saw him. What can you boil it down from your perspective? Why you feel that that he should be in there, and why you have him on your ballot each season? Yeah, I, I mean. Just he was the best shortstop I've ever seen. You know, I've covered I covered him almost every day. Uh, just uh, he played uh, when the shortstop really played shortstop. They weren't there weren't too many shifts going on. He wasn't playing behind second base. He was you know covering from third base to second base, and uh, turned himself into a very good hitter. Um, you know, almost 3,000 hits. I mean, played for 25, 24, 25 years. And you know, Rosie, people. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it always knocks me out when people uh, hold longevity against a player. You know, they say, well, those were counting stats. You know, those are stats he accumulated because he played every year. Well, yeah, they are. And the object is to play every year. And it's and it's not like teams give big league jobs away just because they like you. You know, you've got to earn the job. You're one of 25 and not 26 players on a roster. You've got to be valuable. And, and Omar, you know, was a valuable player for a long, long time. And a remarkable athlete to be able to play at that level, at that stage of his career. He was still playing at a very high level until uh, just about the very end. And, and you mentioned uh, the best you ever saw. So the eye test obviously comes into play. And I know there's so many different ways to measure ability now with, with analytics and everything. But uh, for you, in certain cases, does it always come back to that eye test if it can? Yes. You know, with Vizquel, it does. I, you know, I don't care what 
anyone says about, you know, the, the def- defensive metrics and they compare them to Ozzy, uh, Ozzy Smith. And, you know, I, you want, when you watch a guy every day, you know, you know, you just, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm not a baseball, I'm not an expert. I'm not a scout, but you know, I know enough about baseball to know, know a player, a good, a great player. When I see one, I, I saw Robbie Alomar, for three years and uh, thought he was the best overall player I've ever seen. Omar is the uh, best defensive player I've, you know, I've ever seen. And, and, you know, and he turned himself into a good hitter and, you know, he was part of those, those great Indians teams in the nineties, you know, he offensively he stole bases. He, you know, could hit number two, he could move up runners. Uh, and like you said, I mean, he won 11 gold gloves and, won two after he got you know he left the Indians and went to the Giants and that was you know when he was in his mid to late 30s so you know that tells you something too it doesn't seem like there's enough momentum for him this year but but you feel pretty sure that that eventually he will get in yeah I I do I do feel strongly about that he's uh he was at 42 43 percent of the vote last year in the second year of eligibility I think he should go up a tick or two uh, this year, um, and uh, he'll have seven more years on the ballot. This isn't going to be easy, you know, because he does have his detractors. He does, you know, people say it was great defensively, but, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, a really an offensive force. So, uh, you know, but I think that's going to, that'll take some time to overcome, but I think there's enough support behind him that his vote total will keep increasing. And, you know, if worse comes to worse and he doesn't, you know, get in by the writers in 10 years, uh, you know, I think he's got a great chance on on one of the uh, veteran ballots. Paul, I know uh, you don't have to vote for 10. You, you can vote for up to 10, but you don't have to uh, vote for that many. But but you like to. And, and it sounds like you filled out 10 this year. And, and who are some of the others that, that you have on there that, that most likely are not going to get in, but you felt certainly were worthy of your ballot? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Scott Rowland. Uh, Kurt Schilling, uh, Viscal Walker uh, voted for Billy Wagner, Jeter, Andrew Jones, uh, Jeff Kent, uh, Paul Canerco, and uh, Todd Helton were on my ballot. And you know, I, this was you know, like we said before, it was kind of it wasn't as as a, a stacked a ballot as as it has been. But uh, I felt uh, to me, I, I'd like to 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 vote for as many guys as I can. I, so, you know, and I hear, you know, people say, you know, now, you know, you watch different shows and listen to the radio and people, you know, are all, when they talk about the Hall of Fame, they talk about guys that should be in. And Lofton is always mentioned. A lot of people mention Lofton. And, you know, I just wish that more people would have voted for him when he was on the writer's ballot. Uh, Kurt Schilling's an interesting one. Um, I mean, there's some, certainly some great things he did on the mound, um, but whoo. Um, sometimes away from the mound, some of the things he says and political views and things like that, uh, his comments toward writers, not the nicest. Um, how do you balance that with, with whether he should be on your ballot or not? Yeah. You know, I, I, t- I tend to ignore that. I mean, I watched him in the playoffs with the, with the Red Sox. I watched the blood, the, the bloody sack game. And, you know, I, I just thought, you know, in the postseason, especially, he was such a, you know, a clutch performer that I thought that was, uh, <clears throat> that was, uh, you know, that was enough for, to get him my vote. Uh, 
these guys aren't saints. They're, they're human beings. And, uh, and what you say off the field or what you do off the field after you're retired, I don't know if that, if that should change the way you view a guy as a, as a player. Paul Hoynes joining us, Indians, uh, longtime Indians beat reporter. And, Paul, before we let you go, um, you've been on the case here this week. Obviously, some baseball news to cover that, that's not the easiest. Um, you know, a scandal, a cheating scandal that has caught up with the Astros and the Red Sox and A.J. <coughs> Hinch, Alex Cora, two fine managers, uh, lost their jobs and a, a GM lost his job. Uh, are you surprised at the severity of the punishment and uh, did the did the punishment fit the crime uh, from from everything that's come down from Commissioner Manfred? You know, I knew Manfred had to you know drop the hammer on these guys. I I really did. I I felt that the punishment would be severe. I felt uh, there would be uh, suspensions involved for Hinch and uh, Jeff Luno, the uh, GM for the Astros, <clears throat> and probably Cora too. Alex Cora, you know, the manager of the Red Sox, because. <laughs> you know, I mean, just, I don't know, Rosie, did you read uh, Manfred's uh, report on this? Not I in mean, its entirety yet. But you should close. read it. Yeah. It is amazing. I mean, he, he, the detail on this and, you know, Cora was up to his neck in this thing. He was the, the ringleader with the Astros. And then, the, you know, the same thing when he goes to the, to the, 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 the Red Sox, the same thing happens. They get busted for a, uh, Sign stealing. I mean, you know, I, I know uh, the Red Sox took a preemptive strike yesterday and or uh, with the uh, Tuesday and fired him. But, you know, he's still facing <clears throat> MLB sanctions. And I, I would imagine he's going to be suspended for if Hinch got a year. I mean, Cora might get two years or he might be on the ineligible list. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I think uh, they had to crack down on this. I thought. Uh, you know, I was surprised that uh, Houston owner Jim Crane followed the the, the suspensions up by firing uh, Hinch and uh, Lulo. Uh, uh, you know that 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 surprised me a little bit. I did not see that coming. But uh, you know, he, I don't think he had a choice. I mean, you you can't let these guys suspend these guys for a year and let them come back, and you still got that cloud hanging over the uh, organization. And you know, Manfred took took the Astros to task. For their baseball culture, called it uh, you know uh, uh, you know I mean really ripped them for their for the culture that their baseball operations department had their win at all cost and you know the 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 ignoring his rules that in 2017 and 2018 he came out with mandates about controlling you know uh, electronic sign stealing what goes on in the replay room and uh, if. <laughs> And if the GM had read these, had addressed these, you know, none of this would have taken place. But he never even, you know, there were every GM was supposed to talk to uh, their their managers and their players to tell them, you know, the rules, the new restrictions. And he never did, according to Manfred's uh, report. And if he had, none of this would have happened. And, you know, I thought I love Hinch, love Hinch as a manager. But, you know, from from Manfred's report, you know, Hinch was did not never confronted Cora about the the sign stealing scam, and he was basically letting the bench coach run the ball club. That's the interpretation I got. And uh, if you're going to be a manager, you can't do that. Always interesting to look back in hindsight. We we talked about this before we got started. Uh, when the Indians were swept by the Astros in the postseason in '18, 
uh, following that series and during that series, an Astros operative was found outside the Indians' dugout with a camera phone uh, videoing things that were going on in there. And then the same thing happened against, coincidentally enough, the Red Sox. But uh, could you have imagined after both the Indians and Red Sox complained to Major League Baseball that it, it mushroomed into to what it turned out to be? <laughs> no way, Rosie. But, you know, I know uh, just from talking to uh... – you know, Clevenger and, and uh, Jason Kipnis after, you know, Houston swept the Indians in the, uh, you know, 2018 ALDS. And this was, according to the report, this was after the the uh, Astros stopped cheating. They, they weren't even cheating. But I think they were so they got so far into the Indians heads, you know, just the threat of it. And, and they were so preoccupied with changing signs and making sure they weren't tipping pitches I really think that distracted the Indians. Now I'm not saying Houston wasn't a better ball club. They, they were a better ball club and, and the Indians didn't play well. And, and, you know, Houston just swept them out of the ballpark. But I think Kevin, that series started in a May park where, you know, the Indians knew that the, every team in baseball that played the, the, the Astros knew that, that this was going on, that something funny was going on. And I think, you know, just the, uh, the paranoia that, that they caused by that, that really played a role in the Indians getting swept. I, I've, I've got no uh, doubt about that. That's longtime Indians beat reporter Paul Hoynes. Always great to have Hoynes on with us talking Hall of Fame and some of the issues in the game today. Certainly the big news this week surrounding the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox and the sign-stealing scandal that rocked baseball and has impacted not only Astros and the Red Sox, but also the New York Mets. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Here is Jorge Polanco, the switch hitting shortstop batting left-handed. The set, the pitch, and he drives one high, deep to right field and way out of here, and the Twins are at it again. Minnesota has hit its 280th home run. Every time they hit a home run, it's a new single season record for the Minnesota Twins. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. We continue our look around the American League Central Division, the Indians' opponents that they play a bunch and will uh, be vying for supremacy in the American League Central Division this summer. And the team that ended the three-year Indians run atop the division, the Minnesota Twins, on the docket this week. We visit with their radio broadcaster, Corey Provis. Corey, great to have you along. And uh, we always like to start off with what is the temperature in Minnesota today here in mid-January? Uh, it's fitting that uh, we're having this conversation today, Rosie. And first of all, Happy New Year. And uh, great to visit with you once again, my friend. But it is a bright, sunny day. That's the good news in the uh, in the Twin Cities. However, the uh, thermometer is reading about negative nine, with about eight to twelve inches of snow set to hit the metro beginning tomorrow. And uh, so it should be a fun few days around here. I usually say this toward the end, but let, let's knock it out early. Can you do your uh, Tom Hamilton impression? Uh, you walk into the the home radio booth in Cleveland. Uh, what's going on in there? Rosie, how are you? <laughs> Rosie, we have a night game. You're sleeping. <laughs> Rosie, we don't play a doubleheader on Sunday. What are you doing? Come on, Rosebud, wake up. 
Perfect. Let's get oh, right to the two. This is also this is also my favorite. And now the two-two at the corner of Ontario and Carnegie. <laughs> Lindor a drive to right, and it's deep, and it's caught at the warning track, and the inning is over. And we'll be back after this. You got him down, man. You have you him go. down. <laughs> All right, let's uh, find out a little bit about the Twins. Obviously, um, uh, a big signing for them, Josh Donaldson in the fold now to, to fill a spot at third base. And, and when you look at, uh, before we get it too deep into the offseason, just some leftovers from last year. What a breakthrough season for the Twins. Um, obviously, every team has confidence that they can have a good year at this time of year, but but could you have ever thought this time a year ago that, that they would have the win totals, the home run totals that they did in just a, a special, special year for Minnesota? I didn't see 100 wins, uh, what, 101, I guess, 101 wins coming, and I certainly didn't see them breaking the all-time record for most home runs hit by any one team in any one season. Uh, there's no way that, you know, I predicted 307 home runs. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Um, but it was just, uh, it was quite the team. And I think they took advantage of, of the weakest division in baseball, Rosie. I think you agree with that, that outside, you know, the Indians and yeah, the White Sox got better, but there were games to be had, you know, against the Royals and against the Tigers. And then the Twins played well, uh, played well within the division. And that to me was the path. Uh, to wrap up, uh, to wrap up the division. But I just, what was so encouraging was that, that the, the new guys blended well, but seeing the young core of this homegrown base, this homegrown talent kind of click uh, simultaneously uh, for the first time was something that, that I'll never forget. You know, seeing, you got to remember, go back to 2009, the international signing period back in 2009. In that in that class was Miguel Sano, Jorge Polanco, and Max Kepler. All three guys. That same international signing class in 2009. And those guys flourished. Certainly Miguel offensively, defensively. I wouldn't say he had a great year. But then, you know, Eddie Rosario was, was amazing. And here comes Mitch Garver, you know, putting up the kind of numbers he did. And you know, it was another year where Byron Buxton had some good, but had some bad, had some unknown because of uh, because of the injury. But seeing Jose Barrios at times look like an ace in the game was something that we we were all hoping to see uh, from a twin standpoint. And the bounce back year from Jake Odorizzi, and even what Michael Pineda did to help out the rotation was nice until his suspension. And then th- this bullpen, because I think when we had this conversation last year. Rosie, I think that the biggest concern entering the year was about the bullpen. The pitching, they seemed okay. wasn't sure, but okay. The offense was going to be a strength, but we weren't sure about the bullpen. Well, the bullpen did very well, and a lot of those guys, again, were homegrown. Seeing Taylor Rogers and Trevor May and Tyler Duffy have, have good seasons. Sergio Romo was a great add. Uh, seeing a young guy like Bruce Dark Ratterall come up and throw 101 uh, late in the season was uh, was great to see. So it, it was a nice sight to see them do so well with some veteran, you know, free agents that they brought in. But seeing the young core kind of cohesively and collectively click at the same time was something that I think was a big reason why they had such a good year. And it's sometimes very tough to to back up a year like that and and make it another good season the following year. What gives you the, the thought that it wasn't just one of those years where everything went perfect because I know it didn't. Um, and that, you know, there's a, a good solid core here 
that that, that can be at the top of the division again. You know, they, they were relatively healthy early. I mean, they didn't have a lot of big injuries early, but then they were missing a lot of guys, you know, and every team has, you know, I think you'd say the same about every team. I'm sure the Indians with what they endured last year and, and still was, was in the fight until the very end was incredible. Um, but, you know, it gives me hope that these guys can do it again because they're just a year older. They're, they're a year better. They're a year uh, more mature. And I just think that it shouldn't just be a flash because these were guys, you know, the Rosarios and the Barrios and the Buxtons and the Kepler, uh, even Sano, especially Sano, that you go back to 2014, 15, the Twins had a top two, top three farm system, you know, viewed by MLB.com, by Baseball Prospectus and Baseball America. Well, that's who you see now. I mean, these are guys that, that everybody liked their tools and the scouts liked their skill set. And I think we're seeing why. And uh, also the track record, when they're in the minor leagues playing together, they won. They won division and league championships um, throughout their play at double A and single A and even triple A. Uh, so they, they, they just won and they did so a lot together. Uh, and I think the, the huge news and, and I think we'll probably get to this momentarily while they were looking to add starting pitching and they haven't made the big hit, the big splash in pitching. You know, to add a guy like Josh Donaldson coming off the year that he did, uh, what was already a strength with this lineup, and yes, you take out Crone, you take out Scope, but you plug in a guy like Josh Donaldson, I mean, what was his strength, man, that this lineup is going to be awesome. It was really good last year. I'm not saying they're going to hit 310 home runs, but man, there are not many weak spots in this lineup now. We're joined by Corey Provis, radio voice of the Minnesota Twins, our Twins preview as part of our look around the American League Central Division. You mentioned starting pitching, and uh, it was a little thin down the stretch, and I know they were kind of almost passing, uh, just patching it together there in the playoff series against New York. But uh, have they done enough? And, and certainly it seems like you'll have to be patient with some of it, but uh, do you feel like there are more moves coming in that regard? Whether or not they happen before the season starts, I, I'm not as optimistic about that. But I, but I think that they're going to add on, whether it's at the deadline. You know, if, if the Rockies fall out of it and John Gray is, is available, then great. If the Marlins are looking to move some guys and they have some arms, even San Diego, I think they, they could be a team if they, if they don't put it together. So I think there are going to be some options out there to add. But they tried to sign Zach Wheeler, and they made an offer to him. It wasn't as high as some other teams, but even the White Sox, who offered more money than any other team, they were not going to beat out geography, being that his wife wanted to stay on the East Coast and, and the Phillies won out. So I think they made a run at him. I think they made a run at – and I don't think Dallas Keuchel as much as people think, but I think they certainly were in on Hyunjin Rio there for a while before he went to Toronto. Uh, you know, I think they like Madison Bumgarner to an extent, but he stayed out west and he's got horses in Arizona. So he's with the Diamondbacks and I bet he also likes to hit. Uh, so he stayed in the National League. So I think they tried. I think they tried to make, you know, some play on some of the free agents. They were never going to be, you know, on the Strasburg mix or even the Garrett Cole mix. This is the economics of the game. It just wasn't going to happen. But then that next year, you know, I bet they, they look to make a move and. And they just couldn't make it happen without uh, – I, I don't think they just sat back. They, they just couldn't do it. So then they went kind of to plan B, and they, they brought in a guy like Rich Hill who's not going to be healthy to start the year, and they brought in Homer Bailey who's been around forever. I don't think these, these guys are game changers, but Rich Hill's got a pretty good postseason record that if he can get healthy 
and all of a sudden you add him in late June and into July, you're not asking for 150 innings at that point, but just enough to, to show that he can still get some guys out and maybe they had a bullpen arm or two, then I think they will piece it together. But Jake Odorizzi is going to be motivated. It's a pretty thin starting pitching free agent market entering 2021. And Jake Odorizzi coming off the year that he did, they brought him back for one year arbitration and he did, he took the qualifying offer. But, uh, you know, he's coming off a great year. is his all-star year. That if he can put that together, then he's, he's going to get a good payday because there's just not the same group that we saw that was out there, Jim, in free agency entering uh, 2020. All right. You alluded to it earlier uh, that the Twins, to some extent, took advantage of a very weak American League Central division a year ago, and I think that's been a you know, a theme here that the Indians were able to do that in years prior. Uh, your impressions of the division seems like it's going to be a little more challenging this time around. I think the White Sox have made some great moves, and I think they're going to get Michael Kopech back. They're going to get Carlos Rodon back at some point, too, uh, coming back from Tommy John. But, you know, Lucas Giolito, boy, how good did he look last year? And, you know, maybe Dylan Cease, uh, who struggled through his first going round, but he throws hard. Maybe he can find some more consistency. I, I think they needed to improve. Their catching situation, that has been just a nightmare since A.J. Pruszynski left. Uh, and I love what they did with Grandal. So they, the White Sox have made some really good moves. Now, do I think they're, they're 20 wins better? No, but I think they're certainly going to be a better team. Um, and I still love the Indians. And even though Corey Kluber is gone, I, I love that rotation. I love Lindor, Ramirez, and Carlos Santana was great. Um, Oliver Perez, he's going to pitch till he's 90. Uh, that the way the Vampire is thrown. So I still think the Indians are very much in the thick of things in the division. And then, you know, the Royals, I love Whit Merrifield. I hope that Alex Gordon comes back because he's so good at what he does. Uh, you know, wins the goal glove every year in left field. And uh, hopefully he's, he's back. The game is better when a guy like him is playing. And the Tigers are going to struggle. I mean, the Tigers, they added some more veteran guys and Nova and Crone and Scope, a couple of former twins. But I still think uh, they're going to have a tough go of it. So I think it's going to be Twins, uh, Indians, and White Sox. I think it's going to be competitive. And, you know, I think the Royals might be marginally better. But, you know, like what the Indians did against the Tigers last year, right? What, 18-1? and one? Is that, was that yep. the record against Detroit Absolutely. last year? I think that's, that's going to be the key. I think if you dominate Detroit and do well against Kansas City, you're going to set yourself up to play October baseball. And we close with, where are the Twins sending Corey Provis? What Arctic outpost do you go to on the Twins caravan this year? Yep, next week I'll be out for just a couple of days, and uh, i got a good leg. I am staying pretty close uh, to the Metro. I'm only going to Rochester, um, and I'm going to Winona. But uh, I'm not going west. I'm not going north. I'm not going uh, really too far south. So I'm staying. I got kind of a close, tight-knit, uh, tight-knit leg this year that uh, that I will be visiting starting Wednesday next week. Uh, the Duke, Dick Bramer, he's heading out to Fargo. Uh, he's a Fargo kind of guy. Yeah. You know, couldn't you couldn't you just see Dick Bramer, who just got back from Australia? His son, by the way, broadcasts uh, the Australian Baseball Winter League. Uh, Eric. So, uh, you know, Mick Dundee, and we were saying the Duke Dundee, and I think that just has a nice ring to it, seeing Dick Bramer just kind of, you know, in, in Australia just has a good picture to it. So he's going to go to Fargo. He's going to go to Verbal Island, 
on a couple of outfielders uh, next week, and then uh, the Twins have their fan event next week at a Target Field. So there's no, uh, what was it, human ice bowling you were doing a couple of years ago? Yeah, what was a couple of years ago, I had, uh, was up with uh, the great Jack Morris and uh, at World Western Center Santiago. We were up at International Falls for ice days uh, right at the Canadian border. And we did, uh, we were rolling frozen turkeys, bowling with frozen turkeys, <laughs> we were doing uh, toilet seat tosses. Uh, we were doing this game where you strap some two by four on your feet and you were just kind of going as a team, you know, going up and down, back and forth. Uh, that was interesting. So, uh, yeah, it was called Ice Days that we did a couple of years ago. But uh, this year, uh, my leg does not send me that way. And uh, I get a chance to travel around with uh, Purple I-11 for a couple of days. And there's something to be said for that, for sure. Yeah. Corey Provis, thanks so much for coming by. Always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we'll see you when uh, the Indians and Twins meet the first time around this season. Rosie, my man, always a treat to visit with you. My best to you and your family. And if you see that other guy in the booth, uh, just keep walking. How do, what, what's he saying? The other guy? The other guy? Yeah. Just say, yeah, you know, if you see him, just be like, Rosie, it's spring training. What are you doing? Just just keep walking. Just, <laughs> just, just keep walking, and you'll catch up with him at some point. Okay? I really hope he doesn't tune into this week's show. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of hope he does. Oh, my. Thanks, pal. Bye, Rosie. That's Corey Provis, radio voice of the Minnesota Twins. Stay tuned. More to come after this on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Boy, don't go away, folks. This has got a chance to be a classic ending. Welcome back to Sports View. Today's topic, Game Changers. Makes me think of Progressive's Home Quote Explorer. Finally, a simple, efficient way to quote home insurance. Let's go to Colin, who will now try to say something. Okay, first of all, are you kidding? Never in my life. Okay, when you see stuff like this, look, I'm not the only one who thinks this, although everybody says I am. Well said, Colin. Well said. Get right to the point with Home Quote Explorer. It's a game changer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland for our final segment. Don't forget, several different ways to listen to our show each week. You can do it on the Indians Radio Network late Saturday afternoon, early evening on participating radio network stations. You can also pick us up online at Indians.com. All the archived editions are there as well. Or tune in on podcast form on Apple iTunes or the iHeartRadio app. And you can also follow us on Twitter, at Indians Radio is our Twitter address. We finished this week's show with uh, really a a neat event that took place today, if you're tuned in on Saturday, this uh, January the 18th, down at the Indians Dominican Baseball Academy. How about this? Six players from the Indians organization received their Dominican high school diplomas this morning as part of the Indians' formal education program that began back in August of 2018, and uh, boy, so many people involved in this, the Indians uh, Dominican coordinators, and uh, Anna Bolden, who you remember was uh, the translator uh, for the Indians for a while. She's now the Indians Education and Language Coordinator, and uh, it was a great opportunity to uh, help minor league players finish high school. Many are signed at, at 16 and 17. They haven't finished high school yet. This has given them an opportunity to do that and the inaugural class graduated sixth this morning. And uh, that Dominican complex for the Indians, a state-of-the-art player development complex, which officially opened back in April of 2019. But in addition to all the latest baseball 
development paraphernalia. They also operate five classrooms simultaneously and uh, use high-speed Wi-Fi, smart projectors, and, and labs as well to help provide students with a high-tech learning experience and uh, good for them. Not only uh, trying to be the best they can be on the baseball field a long way from the major leagues yet uh, when they sign in the Dominican Republic, but an opportunity to finish their education, and six players took advantage of that this morning to earn their high school diplomas. Pretty good stuff there down in the Dominican at the Cleveland Indians Baseball Academy. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Don't forget, on February the 1st, our show will air live from TribeFest. And there are still tickets for that great event down at the Cleveland Convention Center. A record number of players will be on hand. Your ticket's available at Indians.com. Until next week, when we join you right here from Progressive Field, I want to thank Brian Matze for his help in putting together our show each and every week. This is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.